With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Out of the Blue, the podcast that will absolutely build your hopes up for yet another rivalry game. We are here for it. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you unabashed optimist and American hero. How the hell are you on rivalry week? I'm hungry. I am. Oh, I'm amped. Drinking caffeine all night, getting ready for this podcast is all I've been looking forward to. Picking fights, looking for the smoke with just random strangers, just running up to them saying, hey, Michigan, Ohio State, your thoughts. And then just <laughs> arguing with them for no reason. So it's, it's been a good week so far. Yeah, I'm heading back to Ohio tomorrow. I'm definitely going to grab some people in the grocery store and shake them by the collar and ask them what their thoughts on Chase Young versus John Runyon are. Uh, I am. I'm amped too, man. Been drinking tea all damn day. Uh, you're going to bring the devil out of me tonight. <laughs> and so everyone knows we're both going to be in Ann Arbor for this game, hanging out with the Maze and Brew crowd, hanging out with the fans, just stirring the pot of optimism, drinking from the Kool-Aid. Please join us. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe scorekeepers. Uh, we're going to start out for sure. Uh, probably I like the the high school. Some people for the golf course. I like them both. So either either spot, do some tailgating, and then uh, make our way over to scorekeepers, I think, and, and enjoy the festivities there. Many libations will be had, and uh, man, if we win, it's going to be wild in Ann Arbor. Yeah, they serve beer and victory in Ann Arbor on Saturday, so be ready for both. 
Yeah, I'm ready for a healthy dose of both. Um, but let's 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 breeze over Indiana so that we can get into the main course this evening. I know we're both excited for it. We were just uh, hyping each other up off air. But let's talk Indiana because that was a great victory against a, a solid Indiana team. And it was it wasn't even really close. They probably could have put 50 on them. 39-14 is your final. And uh, we are still perfect on the year for our predictions. We are, which is you know, awesome job here by us. You know, we're great predictors. Uh, no, this game was a, a beating, and Michigan's continuing this trend like they did against Michigan State, just in the third quarter, just pouring it on teams. They outscored Indiana eighteen to nothing in the third quarter, and then just basically stopped. All fans collectively held their breath for no injuries. Saw Uche and a couple guys get banged up, but nothing serious. And no, cruised the victory at the end. You know, just, you know, put it neutral, coasted. Now we're on to Ohio State. But this was not just a brush over win. Indiana's always given Michigan fits. Tom Allen always finds a way to scheme up something. They had a little bit going early, but Michigan countered, countered again, opened it up in the passing game. And, brother, I loved what I saw. Yeah, that was a great, great win because once again, Indiana tried to take away the rushing attack, um, just like teams did last year, trying to expose Michigan towards the end, take away their rushing attack, make them get vertical. They would have issues in the red zone. Um, that was that plagued us last year against Indiana. This year, totally different. Like you said, towards the end of this game, we were just ready for this, the, the clock to hit zero and to move on away from this game because they came in and took care of business. Didn't need to to run the ball a ton. We were kind of wrong. Thought that they would try and, and favor the ground game. They took that away a little bit. And then once again, Shea Patterson just opened it up. Five touchdowns in this game, nine in the last two weeks, playing his best football of his life, playing out of his mind right now. And uh, last week against Michigan State, it was Ronnie Bell with the big game. This week it is Nico Collins, who just went beast mode. I mean, he's a fire-breathing monster right now. And this offense just continues to hum at the right time, whereas last year we were kind of struggling at this this part of the season. Yeah, Michigan was struggling at this part of the season, and this offense now is not just humming all the fine-tuned, intricate details like route depth, route distribution, where things are going. Everyone seems to know exactly where they need to be. Like there's never a wrong step here or a wrong step there. Like that slant pattern to Nico Collins was just set up beautifully and just completely picked apart a zone defense there, sucked him in, boom, took it to the house. Everything in this offense is being executed as high as I can ever remember a Michigan offense executing. Yeah, and I mean, if you can do it without taking the wear and tear on your prized running backs and Charbonnet and Haskins, all the better. I mean, that's less hits your guys are taking, especially when you can hit Ronnie Bell and he just goes 76 yards, no wear and tear. I love it. Let's just do that every single play. But finding different ways to get playmakers the ball, it is speed and space. It is very real. We are seeing it now. It just took some time to get here. Happily eating crow on all of the uh, the negative comments that we had on um, on Josh Gaddis. Um, we you know, once we, said Mike Loxley was better. <laughs> we said that. Yeah, we said that on this podcast. And uh, we said it was a panic hire. And after re-watching the Ohio State game last year, which we'll get into, uh, it is not a panic hire, especially with what we are seeing right now. This is an offense. This is a modern offense that is just finding its its strides. And it's it's not even as good as it can be yet. No, it is far from that. Imagine another offseason. And then next year what happens before Josh Gaddis gets a head coaching offer. But 
everything that's happening now is perfect. Michigan had success with the Haskins and Charbonnet early in the Indiana game, completely put them on the sidelines, said, rest up. We're going to get you healthy, get you into Ohio State because that's when it matters. That's when we're going to need you. Receivers just continue to eat all day. Everybody's catching passes. Sainer still, Cornelius Johnson, Ronnie Bell, Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, Nick Eubanks. I mean, Sean McCune, everybody's getting involved. And Giles Jackson, like <laughs> it's nine yeah. players right there. That's how much Shea is spreading the ball. He has such command of this offense. I've never seen a more dangerous and more confident Patterson. Yeah, I've never seen a more dangerous offense at Michigan. I mean, uh, Jake Rudock went on the Dad Rudock November tour a couple years ago where he was playing out of his mind and really had some incredible performances. But this is different because this is being done with athletes that, no offense to Amara Darbo and Jehu Chesson, they're just on a totally different caliber. We're doing this with guys like Giles Jackson and Sainra still, who are, I mean, very young guys, extremely explosive. My favorite Shea Patterson throw was the Sainra still over the shoulder uh, towards the sideline in the fourth quarter. It was like 40 yards. It was perfect. Perfect. Outside towards the sideline. Nobody else had a chance at that ball. Like you said, getting a lot of guys involved, a lot of explosive, explosive guys. And I mean, this this is just a it's becoming a well-oiled machine right now. And you've got a true number one target. I mean, we may say Ronnie Bell is wide receiver number one, but Nico Collins is a number one wide receiver like in the NFL. Uh, he leads all FBS receivers and in pass interference calls with nine, too. So just a problem to deal with and our best wide receiver since Braylon Edwards. He is he is incredible. He's just been outstanding all season. This is the best Michigan offense right now since 2007. Just the balance, the power, the finesse, the offensive line, running the ball, passing the ball, everything. This is the best it's been since 07. Maybe if you want to say 06 was better, 06 then. Like this this unit is just incredible. I don't feel I don't have like concerns about any aspect of the offense. The offensive line is great. Running backs are great. Receivers. Every position is just an is as high as it can be right now. It feels like there's you wouldn't want anything more. Honestly, like everybody's good. Everybody has a role, and everybody is executing at the highest level. So statistically, uh, the the pro football focus ranking were about right where we were at last year as far as most efficient offenses and or just most uh, effective offenses under Harbaugh at like number 24, number 25, right around there. The difference being towards the end of last year, the offense was falling off and this offense is just getting better and better and better. And those numbers take into account early on in the season where our offense couldn't do anything. So really, if you adjust that since the Penn State game, you're dealing with like a top 15 offense, maybe a top 10 offense in all of college football, one that is hitting its stride at the absolute right time. So, I mean, man, let's get into it. So let's uh, so let's kind of talk about our predictions there for Indiana. I had it at 38-24 Michigan. Uh, I had Charbonnet and Hutchinson as my players of the game. Uh, I was a little, little bit over generous with my points towards Indiana, but I did think Wap Fillier was going to be playing. Um, and they lost Fry Fogel and Stevie Scott in this. So that can be explained away. So uh, overall, don't hate that prediction, but uh, it was not Charbonnet. The The player of the game is definitely Nico Collins or Shea Patterson. Yeah, 100%. You could go with either one. Shea Patterson setting, making Michigan history with the nine touchdowns in two weeks. Uh, my prediction was Hassan Haskins on the ground. We both thought it was going to be a run-heavy offensive attack since Indiana was actually really good at stopping the pass statistically, but... <laughs> 
we, we, we saw otherwise. I predicted Josh Metellus to have a bold two-pick game. Dax Hill had one, so I was at least getting in the vicinity. Predicted it 31-10, though, so I was just a little closer than you. Both of us were predicting victory. Yeah, yeah, and if you uh, combine our scores, you can. We pretty much had had a had a feel for this and where it was going to go. Uh, but your defensive player of the game has to be either Uche or Dax Hill in his first start with a pick. Led the team in tackles, was just around the ball. He is a stud for us, um, and a guy that's just getting started. Hutchinson did have a great game, had a sack, really flashed on the tape. But Uche was unblockable in that game. He was unreal uh, when you go back and watch the film in that. Uh, just the one strip sack fumble and then recovered it, only that. Um, but on other plays, when he wasn't actually getting to the quarterback, he was affecting the play. Yeah, Peyton Ramsey was sore the next day. I can promise you that. Just kudos to him for kept getting up off the mat because he got knocked down over and over again. It was slow to get up. Yeah, so great game from UJ, Hutch, Dax Hill. Guys were flying all over. Um, and very want to touch on Dax Hill again because, I mean, you feel pretty good if Hawkins can't go against Ohio State with Dax Hill going in there. Ideally, we'll have both, so hopefully we get an update on him soon. I think it would be hard to keep Brad Hawkins out of this game. Everyone wants a little piece of it. So, But he said even if they don't, Dax Hill has more than come into his own. Yeah, absolutely. So we are uh, we are still perfect on the season for at least predicting outcomes. We've been generally close on the scores, minus a couple blowouts that we didn't quite see coming. Um, but moving forward, it's it's Ohio State week. So enough of that. Indiana has been dispatched, and it is on to the big one. One that, you know, at the beginning of the season, you and I were just kind of down on, like, eh, we'll probably lose again. What's the point? But now, as the season has gone on and the way things are unfolded, um, you know, we're starting to get that belief again. But wanted to talk, and this was your idea to go back and do this. We rewatched last year's game, and it was painful. It, it was it was a difficult exercise, but it was a useful exercise in figuring out what the hell went wrong in 2018 in that game at the Horseshoe last year. Yeah, this was not fun <laughs> by any means. This was an exercise in futility. It was awful watching crossing routes destroy this team. But we'll break it down. I'll give you three things I took away from watching this game offensively and defensively. Offensively, Michigan was really committed to the run and just the old school play action scheme of getting the ball to tight ends, namely Zach Gentry. Not really taking what the defense giving them, trying to force feed something into a system that was designed to stop it. Secondly, offensively, Michigan was pretty inept. 19 points through three quarters before they poured on 20 in the final frame when the game was already out of hand. Just very sluggish, not really playing with much fire or passion. It was very strange. And lastly, this game was kind of closer than we realize. It was a five-point game if you take away a five-minute stretch in the third quarter. Five points, and you take all of this offensive ineptitude I just touched on, and you hear that, it's like, wow, we were really this close. But yeah, you were this close, but that five minutes still counts against you. Offensively, that's what I took away. What did you see? Offensively, yeah. It, and, you know, you want to put a lot of blame on the defense when there's 62 points. There was a defensive score in there as well. And rightfully so. But the offense, when you go back and rewatch this, you realize, oh, yeah, we needed to modernize. Um, but one point I wanted to make was that the, the trouble against Ohio State actually started against Indiana that week. What we put on film against Indiana, they were mentioning it on the call. 
Uh, we had Clatt and Gus Johnson on the call, and Clatt said Indiana gave Michigan fits with the crossing routes. I would not be surprised if Ohio State went to that, and of course we know how that played out. So I wanted to touch on that. But you you nailed it with what Michigan was trying to do on offense against this Ohio State defense. They were trying to do what they had done all year, which had worked against inferior opponents, and that's just you know get some misdirection and chunk chunk plays, small chunk plays down the field with their running game to set up play action to their tight ends. That's what they wanted their game to be. And they found themselves in a lot of third and longs because they ran the ball first down, second down, and then you give Shea Patterson a chance to throw it on third down. Very difficult to get into a rhythm with that when you're constantly being forced to make a play on third and seven, third and five. And it also gives you more chances to to make a mistake and, and have your offense come off the field, whereas Ohio State was going big chunk plays down the field. Michigan didn't even start doing that, like you said, until this thing was was out of um, out of reach. Excuse me. And uh, the other thing that I noticed was personnel. The, the Michigan's use of personnel trying to attack Ohio State last year was laughable. You're running True Wilson to the outside, Chris Evans up the middle, and trying to get Zach Gentry one on one with like Malik Harrison, who's just a better he's a better athlete. Uh, Zach Gentry was just I mean, he couldn't really hang with a lot of these guys. And that seemed to be their primary target. So the personnel of last year versus this year, night and day. Exactly. The personnel was mismatched. And one thing I noticed, I touched on a little bit earlier about uh, route execution, especially from the wide receivers, was the depth of the route. Like they know where the sticks are. This Michigan team picks up first downs now. Last season, Donovan Peoples-Jones runs a comeback route and just obliterates it. Just goes too short, comes back to the ball, and then it's fourth and two and you punt. He takes that route just a step further and cuts it a little more to the outside. There's a first down. Like this whole team was just out of sync with the little details like that that become drive killers. So when you go to them like that, they don't have the reps throughout the season. They don't understand it as well. It's easy to tell a receiver, hey, do this. But when they do it over and over again and get some practice, it's a lot different. Running Zach Gentry against elite athletes from Ohio State's not going to do it. No, definitely not. And now we have athletes that can at least match up with our speed on offense against the speed in their secondary and their back. I mean, no one's matching up against Chase Young. Luckily, he won't be out there in coverage. Um, but as far as his pass rushing ability, we'll we'll get to that. Um, and yeah, just uh, like I was saying, touching on the pers- personnel there, uh, not targeting your wide receivers. Um, Nico Collins doesn't get targets until the game's way too far out of reach. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a much better player this year than he was last year. So um, on offense, it was very clear changes needed to be made. Just a team that didn't really understand. And like they get even more crap in that game because they were gifted six points um, when their kickoff coverage uh, muffed a, a kickoff return and we got the ball at the six yard line. So really, I mean, our offense even got bailed out of on that. And uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on watching the offense was, uh, I guess it's more of a defense thing, but we score after that turnover uh, there right before the end of the half. So Michigan steals momentum. It's uh, it's 1921 and we go for two. Don't get it and allow them to drive down the field uh, with 42 seconds left and get a field goal. They should have scored a touchdown, but Michigan allowed momentum to go back to Ohio State after seemingly shifting it. So that's going to be an important thing to watch in this game is momentum. Absolutely. Momentum is very real. And uh, to put a bow on the Michigan offense from last season, they had a game plan coming in and it wasn't the best, but it could have worked. 
but they didn't have a counter once it ran out. They got punched in the mouth. And they didn't know how to go off script. They didn't know how to improvise. They didn't know how to attack what was being presented to them after their first and second options were taken away. I believe this unit this year, which we'll get to, has more flexibility in them. They absolutely do. They have more flexibility on offense and uh, they have more flexibility on defense. So let's let's move into the defense and what happened in that. And even watching the film, I can't quite explain it um, other than Ohio State saw something on film and saw some weak links that they were going to try to exploit. So early on, Michigan actually did a decent job. Um, they were able to get some plays you know, with the crossing routes early, but we did a good do- job on J.K. Dobbins which was impressive, So, uh, th- but that actually pushed them into more of the crossing routes, and and really that was it all day, was crossing routes and then attacking Brandon Watson and Devin Gill wherever they were at. Yeah, that was exactly what it was. It was getting running backs out in space, having them matched up with Devin Gill, Brandon Watson, even Devin Bush, because good as he is, it's hard to cover elite athletes like that when you're just a beefy middle linebacker. You shouldn't be tasked to do that all the time. Blown coverages, Ohio State, like I said before, was more physical. Crossing route after crossing route, creativity. Michigan blowing coverages uncharacteristically. Um, You touched on the last second, first half drive by Ohio State, which just made no sense. It It was the worst performance I've ever seen from a Don Brown defense. Like Even the Penn State game in 2017 wasn't this bad because for a half it was Good, and they poured it on with like Saquon Barkley and people like that. But the defense didn't look so lost. This unit just looked lost, and it was it was they looked embarrassed on the field. Yeah, it was an embarrassing performance, and that was the hardest thing to go back and watch is that number one defense with just studs who are ripping up the NFL right now, just getting worked like that because of a few weak links. And Clad even said it on the call. He's like, Ohio State has found a weak link. In Brandon Watson. I cannot imagine being Brandon Watson's family and watching that last year. That had to have been demoralizing uh, because it was very demoral. It was one of the worst days a cornerbacks ever had ever. Um, I mean, they, he was, he was picked on play after play after play and to his defense, like Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell, Chris Olave, those are all NFL wide receivers and Brandon Watson. Well, he's technically on an NFL roster right now, but I don't think he's really an NFL player. And in the secondary's defense, this vaunted pass rush from last year generated zero pressures and no sacks. No quarterback pressure at all. So Haskins has got to sit back there, let his receivers get open, take his time, and deliver the ball. Yeah, you're right. And I think some of that was health, too. We were coming into that game a little banged up. Both Winovich and Gary were banged up. Uh, whereas this year, you got to like our health. And, and Uche and Hutchinson are surging. And, uh, you know, once again, a quarterback that it's going to be we're going to need to get after a little bit in this one. So, yeah, I mean, other than than what we discussed, I mean, that was pretty much it for the defenses. They saw weaknesses and use their personnel better. Credit to Ryan Day. Um, he, he really used his personnel in a way that that got Michigan just off key and uh, they took advantage. And like we said last week, a lot of the changes that Don Brown has made on defense were because of that game specifically. Noted uh, in that Indiana game, they put up a graphic of the speed, the average speed of Michigan players. And like every one of their defensive backs averages 20 to 22 miles per hour. Um, their linebackers are moving at like 19 miles per hour and their D linemen are at like 17 miles per hour. So just much, much faster across the whole defense. 
Like Michigan gives up a little more size this year, but everywhere there is speed. You're not going to outspeed this defense anywhere. And for even as small as they are at positions like linebacker, this unit has been aggressive and has not been overpowered yet. And they face some heavy power teams such as Notre Dame or Michigan State or teams like that. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on, which is neither really offense or defense, but it's I guess it's offense, offensive play calling. Uh, so last year, when, when we would have the occasional first down that was somewhat successful and we'd get ourselves and, you know, second and second and three, we would run it. And on the call, I'm, I always bring up the call when Klatt's on it because the dude just knows college football. I'm a, I'm a Joel Klatt stan. <laughs> but he says on the call that Pep Hamilton likes to run the ball on second and short because he likes them. They're the body shots is what he was calling them last year. Whereas this year, I don't think that there's any sort of tendency to want to like slow down the game. I mean, whatever's working, Josh Gaddis is going to go with that. I don't think he's going to have some big game plan that he has to stick to like that. No, 2019 Michigan State. Oh my God. <laughs> 2019 Michigan is not looking for body shots. Michigan is Deontay Wilder this year, looking, right. looking for the knockout, whether it's through the air, on the ground with Patterson running, everything. We're about to get into what's going to happen this season, how we see Michigan's going to attack Ohio State. But they didn't run the ball a lot this past week or the week before, and Patterson only had one carry last week. I'm just saying, everything is on the table for this offense this year. Oof, man, you get me excited. All right, <laughs> let's take a quick break. When we come back, man, we'll get into this year's matchup and how we see this thing playing out, keys to the game, players to watch, all that good stuff right after this. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Out of the Blue, the podcast that is here to breathe some fire in Rivalry Week. We already got started a little bit there before the break, starting to hype this one up, talking about what went wrong last year. But now it's time to talk about what's going to go right this year. So let's get into this, my friend. How do you want to start breaking down this matchup against statistically one of the best, not only one of the best Ohio State teams that you'll ever see, one of the best teams that's ever played the game in this Ohio State team that we've got on Saturday? Oh, you want to start with the offense or the defense or dealer's choice? Let's start with the defense uh, because right now, Ohio State is number one in points per game at 51 and a half per game. So let's start with how our defense comes back after what was a terrible outing last year. This is Ohio, this is Ohio State's just 
encore performance. This is Don Brown's most important game coming into this. Everything rides on how he does. He has always bounced back after allowing 500 more yards to a team with a smothering performance. He's only been beaten by one team in two consecutive seasons, and that's Ohio State, and they've done it three years in a row. Those first two years, Don Brown kept them in check, 16 and 17. He held his own, kept them under 35 points, kept the game well within reach. Last year, we all know what happened. We've already touched on it. He's got a lot on his plate. He's got to slow down J.K. Dobbins. You got to put some pressure on Justin Fields. You have to mix up coverages. And I think this team is adjusted from last season with the speed to do such things. Yeah, I agree. This is Don Brown's most important game. Would you say it's Jim Harbaugh's most important game? Every Ohio State game until Jim Harbaugh beats them is his most important game. I love it. I'll agree with you, but definitely so for Don Brown, who got exposed last year as a stubborn coach that was unwilling to adapt in game. I mean, he even did try to go to some zone, but when they went zone, they just attacked matchups. Then uh, when they went man, they did the same thing. I mean, there was they, nothing that he did had any had any answers last year and this year. Like we've said, everything that they've done on defense is because of Ohio State. So we're going to come out there in this one, and I imagine that he's going to go with a similar package that you saw um, against Indiana. Hopefully Hawkins is healthy. If uh, if Hawkins is healthy, you've got your whole starting defense, and you're in pretty good shape personnel-wise. But you're going to probably want to put more speed on the field, although this is a different Ohio State team than last year. Last year, their strength was by far their passing attack. Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin are in the NFL right now. Terry McLaurin's a really good wide receiver. Washington Redskins are just awful. Um, But he's really, really good. Paris Campbell had a monster game. 190 yards receiving against us last year. I think this Ohio State team maybe wants to keep the ball on the ground a little bit more. Do you agree? I agree. Everything runs through J.K. Dobbins. He's having a bounce-back year of sorts. Last year, still productive and over 1,000, but it wasn't like his freshman season. This year, he's playing like one of the best backs in the country. He's physical, punishing, elusive, great, like just side-to-side. Side side. His hips are fluid. Everything's great, and everything else works off of that. Justin Fields gets time from play action so he can find – Victor, KJ Hill, Austin Mack, Chris Alave, everything works through J.K. Dobbins. So my first key to the game defensively is to stop J.K. Dobbins. I would have to agree. We were able to do it last year, but like I said, that was a way different team that could then just burn you on the back end. This year, if you stop J.K. Dobbins and you make Justin Fields have to beat you, you've got some chances. Now, my second key to the game is stopping Justin Fields from beating you when he drops back and then, you know, you're in coverage and he decides to take off. He did it against Penn State and it was killer. Uh, he, I mean, his legs were huge, huge against Penn State. So I would say that my second key on defense is hit Justin Fields, whether it's him running uh, or him stepping back to pass, getting pressure on him and hitting him, making him uncomfortable, making him unwilling to try and run the ball a bunch in this game. This has got to be physical. It's got to be a tough, tough game. And if you hit him a lot, you're going to severely limit what he's able to do and what they're able to do through Justin Fields. Yeah, Michigan cannot be out just out physical, out muscle like they were last season. They have to be the one initiating the contact, really pushing things around, not playing tight, playing with some passion. They, My key is the same as yours. They have to pressure fields. Had zero sacks last year, zero quarterback pressures as we touched on. 
and preferably I'd like to see him pressure fields with only four guys running a mix of stunts and all the kinds of different looks with your pass rushing package with the power of Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Uche, the way he's playing right now. If they can get pressure with four, I'm going to feel very, very good about our chances of slowing down their offense. Do you have that stat from earlier? Where did Ohio State rank as far as pressures allowed? I mean, aren't they towards the bottom of the Big Ten? They're towards the bottom of the Big Ten. They're around with Iowa. They're even worse than Iowa when it comes to total sacks on the season. They've cleaned it up a little bit more, but this offensive line is not the offensive line of last season, and Michigan's health on the defensive line is just imperative to the team's success. It is, yeah. This team, that is their one weakness. They don't really have a flaw. I mean, they are, like we said, first in points per game. They're number one in point differential, which is one stat that I believe in because the object of the game is to score a lot of points and hold your opponent to a little amount of points. So they are number one in points per game and number one in opponent's points per game. They're averaging Their average uh, victory margin is 51 to 10. It's actually 52 to 10. I mean, this is an absolutely unreal team. So you've got to find whatever weakness that you can. And if there is a weakness, it's that they allow a lot of quarterback pressures and they fumble the ball. They fumble the ball against Penn State. So you have got to find ways to not only hit Dobbins and Fields a lot, but no big gains from them, no big chunk yardage on the ground. If they're able to beat us through the air in what's supposed to be, there's going to be some precipitation of some kind. If Justin Fields beats you through the air, you know, I, I think you've got to kind of live with that. You're gonna, you're not going to let him do it with the crossing routes, and they're not going to take advantage of anyone on that defense. Vincent Gray might be your one-week link, but um, I, I think that, yeah, you touched on it, and, and that's just going to be huge right there is pressure them into uncomfortable situations by hitting them and out-physicaling them. That's yep. not a word, but we're, we're <laughs> saying it anyway. That's it. Well, I understand what you mean. Uh, my, my last key is to take away the big play. So even if Justin Fields is going to beat us with the pass, don't let it be the bombs to wide open Victor or Chris Olave. Last year, Ohio State had four receivers, four receivers averaged 22 or more yards per catch. If you take away the big play, you limit their tsunami offense in second quarters where they've outscored opponents by 190. And what they did to Michigan last year in the third quarter, if you take away the big play, they can't just pour it on you in a hurry and the game gets out of hand. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, another thing they rank first in is yards per game difference. They average more than 325 more yards per game than their opponent. They like the big chunk plays. They can get them in a variety of ways on the ground or through the air. Very balanced offense. I mean, Justin Fields is a monster. Listen to these numbers. Dobbins has 1,446 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns. Fields has thrown for 33 and run for another 10. They're balanced. They, they can do it on the air. They can do it on the ground. So, yeah, on defense, you absolutely cannot give up the big plays. You're absolutely right. I mentioned it earlier that I think on the ground is, is even more key. No big chunk plays on the ground. Make them earn it on the ground. Hit them every time. Keep them to three- and four-yard gains rather than 10, 15-yard gains. And, yeah, and nothing big, nothing over 30 yards through the air um, so that they can get those quick strikes. Because, I mean, you look at last year, we were talking about last year, uh, we we had two field goals when we got down into the red zone and faltered. You make those field goals or make Ohio State hit field goals, make them earn everything and no big plays, and it really changes up this point total. Hold them to field goals when they get down into the red zone. Exactly. You can't trade field goals for touchdowns. You have to flip that in your favor. Um, lastly, one small thing I noticed Ohio State likes to do, they love to play with tempo. That's been a staple of them for a long time. 
But one thing they do is they will line up and they'll run in a late substitution. And in the game last year, Michigan was like sprinting and frantically running a guy on and off. But if the offense subs, you're allowed time to get your substitutions on. They can't, they're not allowed to sub and then snap the ball when your player's running on. You have adequate time. So run with a light jog and take your time. Michigan so many times last year were just kind of caught with their pants down trying to substitute guys and get in position. And then they're snapping the ball and we're already behind the play. Just small things like that. The attention, the detail defensively can help prevent fatigue, slow things down and allow you to hit on all your keys, techniques, and all the the little minuscule details that add up in the end. Look at the big brains on Brad. My <laughs> man over there getting into like procedure and like, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Procedure, pace, all of it, all of those things. And pace was key last year. It took us so long to get into our sets. In the second half of the game, when they started scoring, Michigan had no sense of hurry up. No, and, and that's a little bit more on the offense, and we'll get to the offense. But yeah, pace will be key. Uh, another thing that I think is going to be key, and uh, I'd like to touch on it if you're willing, is special teams. Yes, last year was one of the few times I actually remember Michigan just getting outperformed in that department. They absolutely were outperformed in special teams. And this year, special teams have been coming on and on and on. Chris Partridge is the future defensive coordinator for Michigan. We can't let him go. That guy is a very good coach. And this year is starting to really prove that our special teams have been excellent. And uh, Kalik Hudson leads the University of Michigan historically with punt blocks. Uh, Giles Jackson's taken one back. Donovan Peoples-Jones is flip field position. And I think it's going to be a big factor in this game. Yeah, I absolutely think it will be. Every, it's like every Michigan Ohio State game has some kind of special teams play success or failure that can swing things. The punt block last year just completely blew the game open. Obviously, we know the Desmond Howard, Charles Woodson punt returns in the big house up the left sidelines. So if Donovan Peoples-Jones takes one up the left sidelines, yeah. just go ahead and throw all your money on Michigan because it's over. It's it's over, and I'm absolutely going to set the city on fire. I'll be arrested for arson within about 10 minutes of that happening. <laughs> it will just be done. But to back to your boy, Kalik Hudson, that seems like the probable play. Um, even outside of that, going for two against Indiana with Dylan McCaffrey, little edges like that. Quinn Nordine coming on late in the season, hitting field goals. Michigan faking punts with Michael Barrett. It's a lot of little places like that where you can get an edge. And as we touched on earlier, flip that momentum back in favor. Special teams is huge. I mean, Urban Meyer, uh, the two things that I remember him preaching were special teams and momentum. He was all about those two things. And uh, special teams plays are often momentum swinging plays. Um, just look at uh, against Michigan State. I mean, once we once Klee Hudson came in and blocked that pun, it was over. We score next play. That's it. You put the nail in the coffin. Um, and turnovers are kind of the same thing. And if Michigan's able to do that, especially since uh, against Michigan State, so we get that punk block, Kalik Hudson blocks it. The very next play, post route touchdown, Nico Collins. That is a, that is a momentum killer. I mean, that was it. That was the boot on the throat against Indiana. Josh Uche strip sack fumble recovery. The next play, post route to Nico Collins, touchdown. Momentum shifts like that. If we're able to get a punt block with Kalik Hudson and then turn it into a quick touchdown in the big house with that crowd. Oh my God, my my heart my heart palpitations are acting up. <laughs> pitter patter, pitter patter. Um, <laughs> give me one special teams player you think is going to have the biggest impact in this game. 
I think it comes down to Hudson or DPJ, but I also am getting a weird Giles Jackson vibe about this game. I mentioned that to you to off air. I, I, I don't know if it'll be on special teams, but Giles Jackson is going to do something in this game. Um, but I'm going to go with Khalid Hudson, the pride of McKeesport, my boy. I think he gets a pump block in this. Well, you remember how he was acting last year in the bowl game, just yelling at the guys, rallying the troops. One of the emotional leaders of this team, his entire tenure at Michigan, I think it's Khalid Hudson. He or Glasgow are going to block a punt. They've just been they've been the Matthew Slater than the Patriots of Michigan football this year in special teams plays. And I think that could really open things up. Yeah, I, th- I think we see it the same way. I think there'll be a key special teams play at some point to switch mo- to shift momentum. And uh, yeah, I, I love it. We're both calling the Khalid Hudson, calling our shots here. We're seeing things eye to eye, and uh, we've basically been oracles all season. So I don't know. So I mean, this is this is just prophecy. This is prophecy at this point. Um, <laughs> we go to the offense. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to offense. I do think Quinn Nordine will make a field goal in this too, though. At least one. Yes, Quinn Nordine is going to play an impact in this game. Just, yep. just keep doing what you're doing, Quinn. We all believe in you, buddy. Yeah, I don't even want to bring it up. We've already eaten crow on it. Keep doing your thing. Keep uh, coming on the comeback tour. But yeah, let's get to the offense. Uh, and I think this is maybe the most important part of this game. It's the part of our team that is surging the most right now, if nothing else. Yeah, we've never seen a Michigan offense execute at this level this decade. Everyone's just getting better, getting sharper not spiraling out of control when one thing goes wrong, taking care of the football. Oh my God. I love this Michigan offense. <laughs> yeah. And regardless of the weather, I mean, you saw what we did against Notre Dame. Now that, that that's a little bit different though, because when we came in, we said Notre Dame's strength was Ian book in the passing game, not the running game. Whereas with Ohio state, their strength is, is running the ball or they're very well balanced. They can do both. Um, so in this one, the, the, the elements could play a factor, uh, but they're slinging it. They were slinging it in against Indiana in, in the elements. So I think Shea Patterson and this offense's confidence is so high right now that they're going to come in and perform. I expect them to put up points. Who was the last offense to score over 30 points against Ohio State? Michigan. You're, you're damn right. It was Michigan. And that performance was the last team to do such things. Now we're bringing this offense in, the rejuvenated Shea Patterson, the pride of Toledo, Ohio, who grew up a Michigan fan. Oh, baby. Let's go. Yeah, let's let's start with Shea Patterson, who's been an on, on an absolute tear. We already talked about nine touchdowns in two weeks, which is just outlandish. Um, just the kind of production we haven't seen since the Dad Rudock run. And uh, he's going to have to, once again, play one of his best games. Uh, the interception against Indiana can be ignored. I mean, he just didn't want to take the hit. And at that point, the game was over. And they just wanted him to get the Michigan uh, passing record for touchdowns in a game. Pretty sure that's the only reason he was in. So he's playing great right now. His confidence and uh, the way that he is vibing with his receivers, I think that you've got to like him to to perform well in this game. Yeah, he has to be. Is If he can be kept clean and just have a nice pocket, not have the interior pressure like Ohio State had last year, limit Malik Harrison, then I don't see why not. This defense I don't think is as good as they have been statistically. I think there's a lot of places you can exploit them. I agree as well. And we'll talk about the Chase Young, John Runyon matchup on its on itself. But you're right that he has to be kept clean. And he also has to accept that he's going to take some hits in this. That Ohio State team is too good not to hit him a couple times. So he's going to get hit and he can't get rattled. Like what we're trying to do against Justin Fields and we said is going to be critical in this. We can't allow that to happen to Shea Patterson. He's going to take some hits. It's going to happen. This is a physical, physical game. 
as, as physical as rivalries get against statistically one of the best football teams ever assembled and one of the best defensive players I've ever seen. So when you take those hits, just stand back up and you're, I mean, you're going to have to show some serious moxie in this one. Yeah, but this is why he came to Michigan. He grew up a fan from Toledo, and he's undefeated at the big house. Shea Patterson has never lost in Michigan Stadium. The fire. I feel the fire. It's kindling. <laughs> it's kindling, but I'll get into some, some some X's and O's keys of the game here before we just get too out of hand and just start screaming profanities and Anthony <laughs> bans us from podcasts. <laughs> I'm ready for it. All right. First key to the game for the offense, in my perspective, is avoid the third and long. You need to limit Chase Young's opportunity to wreak havoc and be a game changer. He's been the most productive defensive lineman I could remember since Indomitian Sue in the college game. He's, you have to double team him. You have to keep a running back, a tight end, somebody over there to chip him. Keep the action going away. Do something. But avoiding third and longs is key in that. I agree with you in full. And, uh, Part of the problem last year is we were in third and long way too often. And last year's offense compared to this year's offense, where we're at in this point in the season is night and day. But third and long was a killer for us last year. And then we're coming out and we're only giving Shea the opportunity to throw on that third down rather than getting something going on, maybe first down to set up the run, which is kind of the way that we've been doing it a little bit this year. I love that throw to set up the run or run to set up the throw, but mix it up. Keep them guessing. Stay out of third and long situations chunk plays that'll that plays into that if you can get some big plays down the field which have really been coming on of late i mean the look at nico collins donovan peoples jones had a 40 yard reception saying we're still jackson i mean everybody's getting in on the action so chunk plays stay out of third and long i totally agree we're not running the run run pass punt offense anymore this is far from your dad's michigan offense no throw on first down throw on second down i don't care i mean yeah you definitely need to be balanced and run the football and i think Hassan haskins is going to play a big role but yeah stay like you said stay out of third and long keep them guessing all right your first key uh, on offense, that I mean, you kind of touched on it right there, and it's uh, it's going to go back to personnel. After watching that game last year, uh, Jeffrey Okuda is an incredible cornerback. Nico Collins is going to be against him all day, and I mean, NFL scouts are going to be drooling over that matchup. That's a big one. Um, so, so if he's locked up and you don't like that matchup with Okuda, find your next be- best matchup. Utilize your personnel. So it could be somebody's going to get open. It's going to be Ronnie Bell, maybe Tariq Black, who's been coming on a little bit of late. Um, Sainer still in Jackson. Like I said, I've got a Jackson, Giles Jackson feeling about this game. So if it's not there with Nico Collins, don't force it. Um, give him, give him looks for sure. Give him looks. But uh, if it's not there, find your best matchup and exploit it. Patterson has been so good at doing exactly what you just said, just spreading the ball out to a plethora of guys around nine in total, just taking what's there, little small chunks, screens, small swing passes, opening up slants, deep routes, wheel routes. That is key. You can't just get locked onto one guy and try to go after that. And the way Shea's been playing recently, there's no reason to think he would do otherwise. No, no, I, I agree with you. He's been locked in of late and yeah, spreading the ball around and uh, that'll be key. I mean, that w- that'll be key. Take what's given to you. Don't force anything. And his legs is another yes. big thing. I think that his legs are going to be huge, huge, huge in this game. Um, that's what Penn State was able to get going a little bit. Showed that with a mobile quarterback, if you drop back and there's nothing there, he's got to take that. Take those, those 10, 12-yard gains 
up the middle of the field, even if it's a five yard gain and just keep the offense moving. So his legs are going to be huge in this. Yes, that's my second key. RPOs, zone reads to slow down Chase Young. Obviously, my game plan is centered around slowing down one of the best players in college football. Is You have to put him in positions of conflict, things where he has to think, process, and then make a play. Not just pin his ears back and rush the quarterback. If he runs zone reads at him, then maybe a pass option off of that, just an, a nice RPO play action there. Establishing balance early is key. But those plays where you can get Chase Young to make a decision, you make him make the first move and then you go from there. Absolutely. You've got to find a way to neutralize him. And uh, that's the the other matchup that I'm watching very closely. We've been hyping it for a couple of weeks now is the John Runyon versus Chase Young. But it, it's likely he's going to be matched up on Jay, um, Jalen Mayfield a lot in this game, too. So we might not see as much of that as we were hoping. But yeah, you've got to find ways to whether you're running away from him or rolling the pocket out away from him, or like you said, RPOs in his direction to confuse him. You got to find ways to take him out of the game. He's going to get his. He's going to get a sack in this game or a game changing play. He's just too good. He's the best I've seen since Miles Garrett. You mentioned Indomik and Sue. I mean, he's or like Von Miller, one of those yep. guys, maybe one of those AM guys that just every time they're on the field, they're the best player on the field. You, I mean, you, just, you just have to limit the impact of a guy like that. Mitigate what he can do. It's He's really good. You just got to put him in a position that you can work around it. Put him in a position where you want him. Don't let him just dictate everything that you do. And you like that D3 Mighty Ducks quote? Make him make the first move, Conway. Shouts to Coach Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, underrated coach ryan oh coach o ryan sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's right but he brings back bombay later in d3 well we're getting off track yes yeah, so always, <laughs> always down for a d3 quote to get me riled up for ohio state week go warriors <laughs> yeah and the offensive line you know I, I do want to touch on the offensive line they've been playing great of, as of late Caesar Ruiz looks like one of the best centers in the country Bredesen is solid but they're not the ones that are going to be tasked with holding Chase Young at bay really so that'll that'll be crucial in this game um, do you think Michigan's going to be able to I mean this is a statistically great Ohio State defense but they haven't really been tested at all on the road. And if you look at their schedule, yeah, they beat Penn State and they beat Wisconsin. Both of those games were at home. Do you see Michigan moving the ball on this defense, or do you think this is going to be more of a defensive struggle? No, Michigan's going to move the ball. There's no way an offense coming in this hot is going to be stymied at home. Ohio State on the road has beaten Indiana. That's their best win. Second best, Nebraska. Then it's Rutgers and Northwestern. Okay, those aren't road games. Those last two teams are terrible. They're at the bottom of the Big Ten. At the bottom of college football. Yeah, they're at the bottom of everything. Any list you have, they're at the bottom. This, what Michigan can do to really make Ohio State uncomfortable as a team is take the lead early and force them to make decisions and plays and force the issue. Ohio State has not trailed in a game this season. Put them in some comment, put them down 14 to nothing and see how they respond. They have not faced any adversity. For God's sakes, they had to go to Piscataway. Oh, watch out for that. I mean, you're in the big house with 110,000, probably 115 at this game. You're down 14 nothing. That's going to change your game plan really fast. 
oh, they're going to cram them in. I don't think anyone sold their tickets to Ohio State fans for this season, not since we've turned it around since Penn State. So I expect the place to be rocking. So, I mean, we need we need our crowd to show up for that one. Absolutely. And yeah, they just haven't been they haven't been tested on the road. So how do you see this going down? Do you think Michigan's coming into this thinking we need to run the game? I mean, I remember you and I starting to talk when Hassan Haskins was running over Notre Dame about the Tim Biaka-Batuka game about 310 yards against Ohio state and like, Oh, maybe that's the key to beating them. But I, I don't know if I'm leaning that way. Do you think that will be the attack or do you think that they're going to kind of stick with what's been working the last two weeks or balanced or how you, how do you feel you attack them? I feel it's going to be a feel your way into it. A choose your own adventure type of offense, <laughs> even against Indiana. It was kind of feeling your way through running the ball, throwing it, finding what was going to stick, what wasn't going to stick. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. Last year, Michigan was shown to have a weakness with crossing routes in an 11-point victory before this game. Ohio State was shown to have a weakness against mobile quarterbacks, even if they're freshmen, and zone reads in an 11-point victory before this game. I think that's what you're going to see a lot of early. Running the ball, Shea running the ball, keeping it, establishing some patterns and some tendencies so they can break them later with game-changing type of plays. I think it's a feel-out kind of process at first. See what the defense is going to give you, see how they're going to play, and then exploit from there. What do you think? I I agree. I mean, and now we have the ability to do that. It doesn't have to be. We have our offense, and if that style doesn't work, well, then we're out of luck. We have the ability to switch it up. And uh, if we come in and say, well, we'd like to run the ball against them, and they take that away, we say, okay, let's adjust, find some attacking uh, points in the in the passing game. So I think they'll do the exact same thing. I think they'll feel it out. You'll probably come in with a game plan. I mean, you always do. Like Tyson said, you come in with a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. So whatever their game plan is going into it, who the hell knows? My guess would be ideally you want to run the ball. If people, teams that control the running game, tend to win these types of matchups that hasn't been the case as of last year. Um, and you know, we've been throwing the ball over this year, but uh, they're, they're going to come in with a game plan, but yeah, it's going to be how they respond in this one. So let's get into it, man. Let's uh, let's go through this game, how we see it going down players of the game. And of course, predictions. Oh man, here it is. Yeah. Last game of the season. Again, a year ago, we were feeling a little similar. Didn't have as much to back it up besides extrinsic things happening off the field. But here we are. At home, the best Michigan offense we've seen in a decade. And I see it going down like this. It's a feel-your-way-out process. Very slow, meandering first quarter. Low scoring, if any. Second quarter, things start to get rhythm. Shea Patterson starts to deal a little bit in the second half. Put them behind. They fight back. Michigan responds. Holt, they go back and forth in the fourth. Shea Patterson, offensive player of the game. Toledo, Ohio, undefeated at home. Caps his career off with a victory over Ohio State. Lavert Hill, Detroit native, after getting obliterated last season, has a bounce back game with one interception and a few PBUs. And Michigan wins 38-31. I love it. I am so on board for everything that you just said. My blood pressure's through the roof. Easily 240 over like 190 right now. Oh, yeah, 100%. You got any stats for Patterson? How do you see this? Is he throwing for, for four or five? Shea's throwing for four touchdowns in this game. It's going to be 
it's going to be big. It's going to be through the air, one rushing, and then a field goal from Nordeen. I love it. I mean, you're going based off what you've seen the last couple games, and it makes sense. Uh, Lavert Hill is an interesting pick there. Um, I mean, I could totally see it. He's somebody that's going to be called upon in this to make a lot of plays. Um, all right, so here's how I, I see this going down. It's not too dissimilar from what you just said. Uh, first half of this game is going to be very, very tight. Michigan's going to get a lead in this. I could see Michigan getting a two-score lead in this, riding momentum. I could see 14 nothing in this game. Uh, but Ohio State's going to claw right back into it. They always do. It's just like in 2017 when we got a lead and we started to get really excited and they come back. And you allow that that feeling of heartbreak and dread to come back. That's going to happen around the half. Uh, the half right before the half is going to be so key. So key. Uh, you've got to find a way to get momentum going into the half. And I think that maybe we go into the half with a 17-14. Quinn Nordine takes that field goal and that momentum is going to be key. Second half is going to be a battle. It's going to be back and forth. It's going to be back and forth. And I think it will be our finest hour. Shay's finest hour. Oh, God. I think it is. I think it's all been building for this, man. I think it's been building for this. I see that special teams play coming sometime in the third or fourth with Khalid Hudson blocking it, or maybe it's DPJ returning it along the left hash. If that happens, I'm burning the nearest couch, whatever whatever I'm sitting on. Um, but towards the end, when the game's on the line, I think the defense wins it for us. And when it's all said and done, I see the defense standing tall. I've got it at 35-32 Michigan. Oh, God. My players of the game, you're absolutely right. It's going to be a Shea Patterson day. It's It's got to be a Shea Patterson day. In order for us to win, and you and I have called every win up to this point, in order for us to win, Shea Patterson's got to play like he has the last two weeks. And if he does that, he's your player of the game on offense. On defense, we've got to hit Justin Fields a bunch. Um, and, and I want to go with Uche or Hutchinson, but I think you're right. I think someone's going to get a pick, a game-changing pick. So I'm going with Dax Hill. Going to Dax Hill, who came on and on and was had his best game of the of the year. I mean, I mean, he was his only starting opportunity, but he's come on and on. He's an absolute game changer in the back end. So I could see if someone's getting a pick six or a pick, I could see it being Dax Hill. I love it. Last time Michigan lost at home was 2017 against Ohio State. It's time. Hey, we said this off air. The last time that I stayed in Ann Arbor for a Michigan-Ohio State game was 2011. It's only happened one other time, and we won. We're staying in Ann Arbor that night. Score keepers. Let's go. It's going to be a party in there. If you come up to us in the bar and give us like some sort of knowledge that you listen to the podcast, like if you can give us our, our, uh, our sign-off, I'll buy you a shot. Yeah, a thousand percent. I'll do a body shot off of you. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't agree to that. I didn't agree to that. Let that on air. <laughs> but let us not forget that last season, after that loss, after everything came crumbling down and the season just collapsed in front of us, going from the fourth ranked team in the country in the playoff, 10 and one to nothing, that Greg Madison walked out on this program, just walked out on these kids. Washington did the same, but he was lesser known. It was Greg Madison that blood, sweat, and tears with these kids and just said, you know what? You're not good enough. I want to be defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Yep. Went to a rival. He only was staying. He was talking about retiring and stayed in Ann Arbor because his daughter was there and he wanted to be around his family. Didn't really show any interest in being a defensive coordinator still, but 100% Ryan did it out of Ryan Day, did it out of pettiness. And uh, now's a chance for Michigan to put it on him. I hope that these kids are mad. 
I hope that they want to put up 600 yards of offense on him. Aiden Hutchinson, as you remember, called it a betrayal. So look for Aiden Hutchinson, also a Michigan native, to have a game-changing type of play, a big hit. Because players like him, the Michigan natives, the Ambry Thomas, Nordine, Aiden, Mike Dana, DPJ, Josh Ross, True Wilson, Lavert Hill, Vincent Gray, Mayfield, Mike Onwenu, and our boy from Toledo, Shea Patterson, to be the ones to decide this one. I love it. Big players make big plays in big games, and uh, we've got a lot of big players this year. Uh, do you see uh, who, who do you see winning the Nico Collins versus Okuda matchup, and who do you see winning the Chase Young, uh, Jalen Mayfield slash John Runyon matchups? The scheme will slow down Chase Young. I don't think there's a tackle in football one-on-one can take him. Just full stop. It'll be a scheme design of running back chips, tight ends, everything to help him out, whoever's on an island. Chase Young one-on-one takes it. That being said, I don't think there's a corner alive right now that can stop Nico Collins completely. Throw a high point ball to him and watch out. He's 6'5 for a reason. Shea Patterson knows where he likes it puts it right there and lets him make play. Same thing with DPJ. The ball's going to be high pointed and good luck. In the interview with Doug Karsh post game after Indiana, Doug Karsh asked, when you go up for those balls, do you feel it's 50 50? Nico Collins responded. Nah, I catch everything. Oh yeah. I heard that. It was oh, the confidence they're playing with what Shay's playing with. This is it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to be there, baby. Come find us in Ann Arbor. And, uh, Man, this is going to get off the rails when we win. These aren't predictions. These are forecasts. So I, uh, I'm i excited, brother. This is going to be great. Can't wait to kick it with you in Ann Arbor. Can't wait to be around uh, our people in our place, in our Mecca, our Graceland, uh, for the, the greatest rivalry in all of sports. Win, lose, or draw, we're back next week with our thoughts. But keep we have the champagne on ice just so you know we're gonna win we're gonna win we've got nothing to lose there's no reason not to go out and win this it's a lovely perfect season you got there it'd be a shame if someone ruined it for you (laughs) well said any uh, final thoughts from you brother one last time man go blue go blue just beat ohio state that's gonna do it for us on out of the blue make sure that you follow mason brew on twitter at mason brew follow andy and i at Andy underscore Bailey one at Blue 87 like share subscribe leave a review for all your shows and content wherever you get your podcast by searching Mason Brew podcasts on Apple Google Spotify and more we will be back with a brand new episode of closing time hosted by our fearless leader Anthony Broom I am Jared that is Andy this is out of the blue and of all weeks we'd like to especially remind you that wherever you go go blue